morning, officer. Maybe this is the pot calling the kettle black. This guy thinks he's a genius and he's a moron. <laughs> oh, oh, this is live. Think of like the dumbest cave troll let you know. You looked right at me when you said that. You're not the dumbest. Here are the facts as I see them. October 8th? 2022, I think. I think all that was correct. Welcome. Ding, ding. Welcome to the Bandit Radio Hour. Uh, I'm sitting here with who may or may not exist, who is Merce, who, for all y'all know, I'm really good at throwing my voice around. Uh, how you doing, Merce? I'm here in Silly Texas Medication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Uh, well, what's been good with you this week? What's been new? Uh, just slowly getting everything back together after the uh, hurricane. Same thing as last week of chainsawing and rebuilding fence. and. Yeah, but I'm over the hump of it at least. I was finally able to get the yard mode and some basic just... Slowly getting things back normal. See, I'm not over the hump yet because we were on the west side of town, west of that river that we talked about last episode, cut off from supplies. So we're finally like, now I'm on, I, I'd like to think I'm cresting the hill of hard work and I'm almost on the other side. But then the main creek that runs through our property that you worked at, uh, it's going down. So it's revealing more fence line as it goes down. And I'm seeing more work I have to do. Should have never let y'all back across. Nope. <laughs> Shouldn't have. Uh, Waterline's gone down, so we can cross now. Uh, been having, excuse me, I ate a lot of Taco Bell, and I'm burping it up. Now all y'all get to know that. Um, but, no, it's the last week has been everything from chainsawing trees to fixing fence to ripping old fence up to not even making pretty fence, just patching around old trees where the for the love of god cows please stay in. and chasing cows south of 72 that's ended up in neighborhoods and stuff and getting phone calls at three in the morning to go get a bull and run it back and uh there's probably gonna be some more of that but like, like i said i feel like i'm over i'm at the top of the peak and now it's downhill from here and then when we get done with storm cleanup it's on to regular ranch stuff but uh i got actually some great news uh today and that is we got internet. And actually we got it last night. We got it uh And what constructive thing did you do with that? Honestly, okay. So I, I didn't even want to get into current events yet, but the very first thing we did was my daughter's at her mom's. I'm I'm at my mom's. Uh we sat down and watched the uh Tucker Carlson Kanye West interview. And let me tell you something. Sitting with my boomer mother who knows nothing of Kanye West. Not besides he was married to a Kardashian. Uh, what an interview. <laughs> Not all of it South Park hit it out of the out of the park. I've only seen the highlights, so I don't Dude, you've got and listen, I love my boy Tucker. He's 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 great. I don't agree with him on everything, but I I genuinely believe he say he believes what he's saying. Uh, but I can I don't know if him and Tucker are like the same kind of crazy where Tucker's like, I'm picking up what you're laying down, Con. Yeah, yeah, I, I can decrypt. You're going to drop a mixtape? Like, dude, quite, quite possibly. <laughs> or if Tucker is just brilliant at like, I'm going to say whatever doesn't make you storm off set and keeps this interview going. And there, there's that one point me and Merce were talking before the podcast Kanye West goes, like, Tucker basically asked him, well, what's your problem with Obama? Not exactly that, but something along those lines. Kanye West goes, well, you know, what I don't understand is when you're president, like, if I was president, hang on, let me rephrase that. When I am president in, like, 20 or so years, you know, I'm going to get a cabinet together of the smartest people in the world. And, like, right when he says that to myself and to my mom, and I said, let me guess, he's in the cabinet on the list. And he goes, like, who'd be on that list would be, like, Elon Musk. You know, he's brilliant on whole other levels. People don't even know. He goes on a five-minute rant about how Elon Musk brilliant. Uh, and Tucker's like, oh, so who else on the cabinet? He goes, oh, uh, me. I, I am. I'm part of the world's most brilliant people. Oh, my dude. Here's the thing. He makes, I don't even care for a lot of hip-hop. He makes great hip-hop. Uh Holy hell, or you got to be some kind of nut job to be that brilliant at stuff. Uh, have you ever listened to any of his interviews? Uh, not, not, none of the other make like the news. No. 
just the highlights. Just, yeah, which is usually just Kanye being or Ye being Ye. Ye, ye, ye not being Yeezy. Ye out there. Yeah, uh, and like, like, what did he say? I'm a gay bitch, dude. So like, it's there are moments, there are parts of it where it's like an alien watched the watched an '80s movie about like overcoming obstacles and then tried imitating it. Cause he's like at one point, I kind of feel for what he's saying. I feel the emotion he feels. So I guess he's talking as a divorced single dad. He's like, you know, like I was great at basketball. I'm great. My daughter is going to be great at that. The best prodigy. He goes, and I don't like her coach. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. He goes, so I, I tell my ex that I need to talk to her coach. And she's like, no, nah, you don't need to talk to her coach. And I'm like, I'm thinking from this coach's point of view of like, I'm just trying to teach this little girl basketball. Please, Mr. Kanye West, do not freak the fuck he out on like, me. Yeah, he's like, dude, it's just Thursday. It's just get through Thursday. We just got to do the run drills. Let her shoot the ball the most. Let her get the most court time. Whatever I got to do to not piss off the most famous pissed off guy in the world. Every everybody. No, don't get me wrong. Maybe Kanye West has some points. Like like maybe I don't know. Maybe the guy's not a good coach or whatever. But it's it's kind of besides the point. Every parent I see that has to go talk to the coach. I don't know. My dad was the coach, and he made me sit the bench. And I'm like, I appreciate that. That, and I see these other parents. Your dad was my coach too. Yeah, for like one season, or you know, DCYA, we get shuffled around. Yeah, me, me, Mercer Cardinals. Yeah, we. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of went around to all the different teams. I stayed Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, Was that the year we beat the Pirates? I can't remember. They all run together. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, old times. Uh, But no, it uh, it was a wild interview to listen to. That's what I did uh, last night, the, the first night of having internet. I woke up this morning, my first day off since the hurricane, since what, September, September 28th? One of those days. Yeah, first first like real day I had off. Uh, and I said, I'm going to do the age-old tradition of the bandit, and I'm going to sit around. But before I had kids, I'm going to sit around and play video games. And Call of Duty is usually my go-to, but that's been a little bit more stressful here lately because of... Uh, everything that's happening with modern crap. I was like, I'm going to play Fortnite that like my son ordered when he was down. That's a free game to play. Dude, it's so much fun to just beat the living shit out of 12 year olds all around the world on that game. That's if you, all right, if you're a dad and you want video game time to yourself, go, go play Fortnite. Not, not building, not the building stuff. It's no build play, I guess, because that's, that's what always pissed me off about that game was I'd start shooting somebody, and they'd make a metal fort around themselves, and then I can't do that, so they'd kill me very quickly, very quickly. But no, this gets rid of that. But the main reason I bring that up, you know, I was, I was thinking of great video game moments, and one of the most, one of the most controversial ever uh, Merce, I don't know if you remember it, but it's from uh, Modern Warfare 2 back in the day, and the mission was called No Russian. Do you remember it? Uh, I didn't play that one, but I've watched, I've watched it, that. It's where four guys walk through an airport. You're a, what the mission is, it's a military game for those aren't, that aren't familiar. And in this mission, it's like one of the first missions in the game, you're a C, undercover CIA agent and uh, uh, investigating this Russian terrorist cell. And, like, as you're in so deep, you're about to make a terror attack with them. They're going to walk into an airport and shoot it up with machine guns. And you play the mission out. like, And you can choose whether to pull the trigger or not. But either way, at the end, they kill you because they know you're a CIA mole. And yeah, But the, the, there was a big news story. Like, oh, my God, you kill, like, dozens of civilians as a part of this game. And uh, I thought on that. As I'm waiting in the pregame lobby of Fortnite, and you know, like, for those that aren't familiar with Battle Royale, before the game starts, they you wait for the number of players to fill up, and you're like, you're all on this island where you can't hurt each other, but you can still shoot guns and stuff. And most people go grab a drink of water while this is going on. It takes like two minutes. Uh, some people stand around, but all the people that were around me just all kind of started doing the dumb little Fortnite dances and showing off and stuff. And then one guy... 
with a big machine gun just runs by and starts mowing down every, like, shooting and on my screen. I was like, if my daughter was sitting here watching this, because of the way Fortnite looks, it looks like a cartoon. Like, you know, of all these kids just, not, not kids, but young people and, like, superheroes dancing and doing grooves. And then just some Grim Reaper runs by with a machine gun and lays them all out. And I'm like... You just put sunshine and lollipops on this stuff, and it it takes all the debate out, and it's just silly. It's like, you put real graphics and stuff on it. Oh, everyone loses their minds. But I was saw that, and that, that just brought that to mind. And uh, Merce, I'll ask you, because right, this, is, this is the part of pop culture that me and Merce really like align on. And uh, in our small town, we hide it in the closet away from everybody. And no, not our gayness, our fondness of video games. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what could be gayer. They're the fondness of video games. But true, true, very true. All right, so question. What is, like, the most epic video game moment? Like, if, if you had to sell somebody, let's say someone was looking through your memories, and, like, here's why I play video games for this feeling I got right here. What Like, a good example I think you've kind of mentioned before is in the first Halo when you discover the flood. Oh, that's just terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like, ah, just no, it's it's horrible zombie space squids. Uh, Scary. Yeah, like, uh, all right, I'll give you mine. You mean like an epic? Epic, yeah. Like, I'd say that was like epic and scary. Like, one of the most epic ones I think I remember you watching me do is like in Call of Duty Black Ops 1 when you're going down the River Kwai in Vietnam with a gunboat and you're... You're indiscriminately shooting anything that looks... <laughs> sympathy for the <laughs> devil is playing while you're shooting anything that looks v- vaguely yellowish and brownish <laughs> and flamethrowers. And I'm like... Uh, and before you know, back whenever you believe all the American propaganda, it's one of the coolest things ever. Now you go back and play it now and you're like, oh, this is war crimes. <laughs> this is, ooh, this is bad. <laughs> I've been to Vietnam. They, yeah. they definitely... Still aren't very yeah. happy about it. And, you know, it's it's wild. You know, I, I said the word propaganda. And I would have been using that loosely, like, back in the day. But it, it's insane once you learn. Once you learn certain facts about American interventionism in the past, and then you see that thing portrayed in pop culture... It's real. It really gets your conspiratorial gears turning. And my favorite example of this was, I think it was in the latest Modern Warfare game that came out a couple of years ago. And in the story, uh, it, all right, yeah. So this this probably came out out in like 2019. This in the story, the kind of bad guys that the Americans are fighting are the are an extreme patriotic set of Russians, and. In the story, they are talking about uh, this part, this fictional country in the Middle East. And they're like, man, these Russians are so ruthless in here and they've killed so many people in our country. We have this one place called the Highway of Death where there was just a bunch of civilians and military parked, but they were all trying to retreat. And the Russians came and brutally killed like a, a mile of just humans trying to flee them. And like, and so that kind of gives your character like the gumption of like, oh, we got to go kill this Russian sect. They're crazy. They'll, they'll indiscriminately kill anybody. And that's like, you know, great for a story. The only problem is the real highway of death that's referenced in history is actually something that happened in Iraq back in the 90s where there was a bunch of Iraqis who were fleeing from a military invasion that was happening to them. And, uh... Yeah, they got brutal. I, I believe it was set on fire, shot while they were running away, target practiced. More like they got erect. They did get erect. <laughs> not irobotted, not erect. Not erect. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, turns out it was the U.S. that did that. And I'm like, all right, now here's the thing. I we know. Care package? <laughs> We haven't gotten that many kills yet. <laughs> I think they got gunships on that one. But, uh, like, I know... I know that movies from Hollywood and video games to the caliber of, like, Call of Duty 
they receive funding from the Pentagon and from defense, uh, from the Department of Defense, they're like, hey, we'll let you use our official Hummers and stuff like that. And like in movies, they're like, we'll do explosions for you and let you borrow tanks. I really know this for movies. Let me be clear about this. Whenever like you see Michael Bay movies, like Transformers, and you see like all the military tanks coming in and blowing shit up and stuff like that. Michael Bay has made an agreement with the Pentagon and the military. They were going to loan him this stuff. And as part of that agreement, the Department of Defense gets to look over the script and make sure that all portrayals of the military are in a light that they like. Right. And that's why if you ever, if there's any movie really criticizing the military, it's typically lower budget. It's typically like, you know, I think the last one that came out was that Brad Pitt hardball. Or not hardball. (laughs) That's the one about him. Oakland A's guy. Uh, oh, Moneyball. Yeah, that was Moneyball. Now, well, there's a badass Netflix Brad Pitt movie that was about true story about these generals that were like, this whole Iraq thing is just a scam. It's just a, we're just here just to make people money and do nothing. Like, oh. they had like cardboard Jeeps. <laughs> D- uh, damn near. Damn near. So, w- what I'm getting at is, like, I know that happens with Hollywood, and I know that, like, with these. Big industries like video games, the, the big companies, like I know they get funding from defense uh, department to like, like I remember in the old Call of Duty days, like when we were in high school, when Modern Warfare came out, they had an experience like if people went to like the expo for the debut of the game, like they could ride around with real Marines through a battle simulation and like shoot fake guns Halo out of made a, a warthog. Yeah, yeah, like, like literally now... Uh, I don't know if Halo was backed by them or not, but uh, I mean, because no, they made their own Warthog. Yeah, <laughs> true. And it's the future. <laughs> true, man. What if the Halo show was just those those awesome little clips we used to watch? Anyways, side no, nope, not going down that side ramp. Staying on this one. But when I hear stuff like that, Highway of Death, the Russians dead, and I see it was four years ago before all this crap with Russia, I'm like, how much of this is? Feds literally influencing how we look at the military. And like, you know, I think I've said it before. How I look at the military, the dudes I know that went to high school with me that went off and joined the army or or military are some of the best people I knew. Like they got out of my hick town, they bettered their lives. And I think they, they did it for one of two motivations, either one to better their own life and it was a good career path or two to serve their community and like their fellow people. And both of those things were like very noble. Like I'll never, you know, that's the unfortunate part. In my opinion is the boots on the ground mm-hmm. are actually, I think most times are the good people. And yep. a lot of times are it's the up, up higher ups that are the, Yep, the people at the top of the that structure that are just genocidal maniacs that are that are advocating nuclear war with Russia. Uh, oh, I, the White the White House said that's not happening. Don't, so. but Joe Biden said it is happening. And we can't find a Russian submarine. Yeah, which all right, my take on that that might be a good thing that we can't find a Russian submarine for us as American citizens. That might be a good thing that the United States federal government doesn't quite know where a Russian nuke sub is. God, what an opportunity to rerun Hunt for Red October. No. And it's October. It is, it is October. And the whole premise of the movie is they can't find a Russian submarine. And I'll be honest. I never saw the movie or read the book, but I did see the recent interview where Sean Connery's talking about how it's okay to slap a woman, and it's one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> I love how he doubles down. <laughs> he really does. He's like, he's like, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And the, <laughs> then, then the, the, I think it's Barbara Streisand is like, and what do you mean what you got to do? And I really think a smart man would be like, well, what if she's murdering a baby? Yeah, slap the woman. And Sean Connery, what does he say? He goes, well, you know, sometimes they like to have the last word in an argument. <laughs> and, and we can't be having that. Just give him a good good smack and that keeps him alive. Doubles like, down. And I'm just like, dude, bro. I mean, for, first of all, Based, <laughs> but second of all, no. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's it's the meme of Mr. Burns holding the yes and the no at the same time. And so, I'm gonna get some hate mail on that one, but yeah. Back from that string of Sean Connery hitting women, hunt for the last October. 
Last Red October, whatever that movie is, and Russia's Missing Sub. That's how we got here. What I'm getting at is it might be it, the feds not know. Cause it, you know, it's not Americans fighting this war. It's the feds and their buddies in NATO. That's how I always, like, separate it. Like, it's, yeah, American boots on the ground might have to get involved. But at the end, it's the feds calling the shots. If uh, your helmet's blue, ew. J- yes. Or, or if you're in a black suit with shades. Um, but no, these people like going, oh, we don't know where the submarine is that's capable of launching nukes at us. We better not launch nukes. And for people who think I'm being like hyperbolic with what I'm saying, I just got done today watching a video of Zelensky, the head of Ukraine. And you can watch this on the Jimmy Dore show. Uh, he's going, listen, I know you're worried about Russia launching nukes at you. Because you're scared of like like you know they're not gonna, they're probably not going to do it because they're scared of what you'll retaliate with, United States and NATO. That's why you need to go ahead and launch nukes against Russia and take them out before they can launch it. And I'm like, dude, not for Ukraine. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not willing to bet the whole world on your shit ass country. No offense. God bless the people that are getting murdered there on both sides, but. That's, that's, not a battle that's not a battle you're picking. It's not my business. It's not something I'm not putting money in that hat. And just because if I do, I get killed over it. What? Okay. Or on a scale, what country would you? Where, where, where we got to get to? Like, like Switzerland? Name it. No. <laughs> uh, France? No. Uh, it's got to be the United States? No. Not even the United States? They could nuke Washington. I'd sit in a lawn chair. Okay, if it doesn't hit Florida, I'm pretty much game for anywhere. That's what I'm kind of saying. Like, I, uh, I'm like MacArthur from like, back on. in the Korean War. Just let, go ahead and just build a radiation belt. Let me back up. Let me let me be literal about this. I don't. <clears throat> I would care if our country got nuked or something, like my countrymen. But like, until until it is something that comes into my community. And what, what I judge as my community kind of depends on the situation, whether it's my family or my county or my state. Country, here's, here's my thing about nation states and countries. I don't have that much in common with someone in L.A. or New York City or, or friggin' northern Alaska, for that matter. Like, not even, you know, city to country life, like even different rural areas or... When I know I've heard people use the argument like, well, you know, you got to draw a line somewhere. And if they take over everywhere else and you're the only one left just because you care about your little community, then like you're done for. It's like, all right, true. But go tell that. There's still a lot to be said about the last man standing. I'd be happy with that trophy. I was going to say, go tell that to the Taliban and the North Viet Cong. Like they were just worried about their little community and literally the entire West tried to surround them and conquer them. And they were like, now nah, we're just going to hide in our caves and jungle and wait y'all out. And they did. So enough of that argument. Anyways, I don't know what it would take to make me say, like, yes, I will sign up to go enter this bloodshed carnage. That is decided by our politicians. Like, and I can't. That's the, that's the, if it was someone. I am glad I never have that opportunity because I will be the first to push the button. Like minor inconvenience. <laughs> that's why I could, <laughs> that's exactly why I could never be a cop. Cause I know everybody would either be, you're free to go or you're shot in the face. Yeah. There's like no middle. It's one or the other. That's, that's how I look at it. It's like, you have to do something really bad for yeah. me to, or it's just like. Nah, just, just no, just right, there might be some middle ground, but it's very, very little. Like, like if someone's like really drunk and driving all over and smashing into shit and causing a ruckus, I, I might not shoot them in the face, but I might not let them go. But still, whatever. I'm not a cop. That, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but also, like, you got to realize when, when I say you'd be fighting on behalf of these politicians, so many of these great guys, I knew guys and gals that like left to join the military, like I said, for previously good reasons. They joined them for those reasons. But it is of my opinion that that is not, in fact, the reason they are going to fight. It is to them, and that's beautiful, but the reason is to serve these politicians and whatever decision they've been making in back rooms the past 15 years. Uh, 
And it's been, I don't want to go, I don't want to go fight for a Joe Biden or a Donald Trump or a, you know, not even the president. Like, I don't want to go fight for a Donald Rumsfeld either. Like, that's who it boils down to. These blood-soaked monsters deciding what happens to the best Americans. The absolute best Americans are ruled over by the worst Americans. I don't even think it's... I don't even think they consider the Americans in the first place. They consider what's going to get weapons sold. Yeah. Americans are just the, the, the casualties that come along yeah. with it. It's they, just a byproduct. They, and as unfortunate as that is. Dude, have I ever talked about uh, Smedley Butler on here? What a I, terrible I, I, name. Dude, it is, but no. What a, like... <clears throat> so he is... If Mr. Smithers was a real person. Dude, but here's the thing. He's one of the most badass people in history. Uh, Smedley Butler... You can look up his stuff on YouTube. He had a bunch of short speeches. Uh, he is either the first or the second most decorated Marine in history, in United States history. Uh, he won two Medals of Honor. He served from the late 1800s through World War One, I, I believe. And at the end of his service, he wrote a pamphlet that is available on YouTube for anyone to listen to, and I highly recommend it, called... War is a racket. That was the end. That was his view at the end of his service. And he said, what I was, it was a lot of people will say I was a hero and that I, I did the best for our nation and for our people. He said, no, I was a glorified hitman for the largest gang the world has ever seen. I helped flip countries and, and uh, where, where does he say? All around the Caribbean. I can't remember it, but it's where uh, the U.S. would... You heard of banana republics, yeah. where where the banana corporation would say, "Hey, U.S. Marines, we need you to go down here and wipe out all the natives that don't like our uh, plantations." And after the Marines do that, they go in and move. Smedley Butler will names off like ten different places he did that. Well, if we would just grow <clears throat> the bananas in Atlanta. <laughs> B a n a n a s. Uh, Remy, look up that on YouTube too. It's great. It's one of the best little parodies ever. But no, old Smedley Butler. He actually, have you ever heard of the Bonus Army? After World War One, there was a bunch of veterans. This was the Great Depression who weren't receiving their veterans bonus, and. You've never heard of this, Mr. History Boy? He's giving me a confused look right Maybe. now, people. Is this when they tried to, is this also when they took over the town? No, it's not that. Okay. Uh, that's for another story. No, the bonus army, so after World War One, and Smedley Butler had like, I think, I think he retired, there was a ton of veterans who were not getting their checks because of the Great Depression. I think it, or maybe it's even before the Great Depression. There's some kind of scuffle that they're not getting paid. And a rich, all right, some of this I'm kind of scraping from the top of my memory, so don't don't etch it all in stone. The fuzzy part is I think it was a rich businessman who was a big fan of Hitler <laughs> before we find out Hitler's killing a bunch of Jews and stuff, who's like, you should march, he gets Smedley Butler and is like, you should get all these veterans and y'all march on Washington. Like, y'all, y'all thought January 6th was a coup? This was a real attempt at a coup in the United States. And Smedley Butler volunteered to be the front man to lead this army of veterans to the White House to demand their money back and try to get people out and get this the guy this businessman wanted in to run things. Uh, God, what a headline. <coughs> Butler cleans house. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Damn your autism. That was good. That was really good. But no, so Butler is wild. I suggest anyone listen to his stuff. And he has the the one thing I respect about the institution of Marines uh, of the Marines. Like I, I might take, talk a lot of crap about institutional institutions and military and stuff. Most Marines I have talked to, when I mention which ain't a lot, I might have talked to like five or six, but. When I mention Smedley Butler, they're all like, I know exactly who you're talking about. And they say he's the most decorated Marine and he's famous for hating war. Like he's hardcore on all ends. Uh, So yeah, Smedley Butler, look him up. He's badass. And I couldn't stand it. It is the Bandits radio hour after all. I got to read the first little chunk of War's Racket. So this is by Smedley Butler in just first two paragraphs. Quote, War is a racket. It always has been. It is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. 
It is the only one international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and losses in lives. A racket is best described, I believe, as something that is not what it seems to the majority of the people. Only a small, quote-unquote, inside group knows what it is about. It is conducted for the benefit of the very few at the expense of the very many. Out of war, a few people make huge fortunes. Now, end quote, all that. Reminded, that's like the second most decorated Marine veteran in history who's like, this is the most awful shit you can think of. And... You know, like... What a but, bedtime story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's something that breaks my... It really broke my heart when I found out, like, growing up, I always thought it was Call of Duty. Well, the only people that die in war are, like, soldiers shooting other soldiers, unless the bad guys kill some civilians, and that's what makes them the bad guys. Then you find out the shit Julian Assange links out, and you're like... Oh God, we've. <laughs> it, it, same. It was definitely a somber. It was like, oh, we're not always the good guys, or most of the time, we're not the good guys. Most of, and you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the American soldier is a bad guy. It does. It doesn't mean we. It's, you know, <clears throat> is is the bad guy that gets. Uh, protection money he has to pay to the mob because they're about to like break his legs if he doesn't is he a bad guy because he has to pay protection money to the mob and help this armed organized criminal enterprise it's just capitalism (laughs) (laughs) yeah argue it's it's force uh but we don't pay pay taxes government's gonna take my stuff that's not capitalism damn it (laughs) (laughs) i'll get real i'll get real like uh funny commie like real quick like it's never been tried there's never been true free trade there's always been corrosion of one sort of another but i'm not not gonna go down that hole but um back to russia (laughs) in short Back to Russia. <laughs> Back to Russia. Back to Kosovo. Uh, no, but like one other thing I, I wanted to touch on with that is the main people who are telling us we have to believe everything the intelligence agencies are saying and that we have to, of course, Russia is a crazy bad person or crazy bad country ran by a horrible crazy person that you should never listen to even though he has nuclear missiles and he's saying a lot of stuff never listen to him the same people that are telling us to trust them on that are the same people that told us there were gas attacks by Assad in Syria are the same people that were telling us that Russians were putting bounties on American soldiers in Afghanistan which they later quietly retracted and said, oops, my bad. That was a, a, we, we didn't mean to make that mistake. Same ones that planned the Bay of Pigs? <coughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's all... Wait, hey, but side note. A lot of respect to Castro for surviving like a hundred assassination attempts. Go you. He should get like a gold medal in some Olympic sport. Can you just imagine how paranoid he had to have been like most of his life? Like cigars blowing up in his face, like all just the... Just knowing probably at any given moment, any inanimate object's probably going to try to kill <laughs> No wonder commies are so paranoid with the CIA around. I don't, like, fuck, I don't blame them either. It might not have all uh, been him. No, I'll tell you, that's, that's something I really give lefties and socialists. I think they have a hard la- leg to stand on when they're like, Whenever, whenever I hear right-wingers criticize socialism, they're like, look how shitty of a place Cuba is. And I'm like, well, you know, America did kind of surround them with gunboats and said, nobody can trade with them. Even though other people did, like Mexico and stuff like Cuba that. Cuba used to be like the happening oh, place. Dude. I used to hear stories of my granddad when they'd sell a bunch of cows, like... And like some and one of the other big families here, they would just disappear. Our Nobody fr- could find them, and they would just have gone to Havana, just partying nonstop with their big cow checks. My great granddaddy Moe's, who I have always the pictures I saw of him is like an overalls and sitting in a lazy boy or up by a horse. And then there's one, and I'm not trying to bullshit. I think he's with a guy that has your last name. It is him, 
and three of his business friends down in Havana, Cuba. Might have been Sam. And he is wearing a gigantic sombrero, which is a Mexican thing, <laughs> with little things hanging off of it. The and he's me- Cuba, the melting pot. And he's got two big ass bottles of liquor or something that he's holding up, like with his friends. And there, and I'm like, he's smiling in that photo. <laughs> <laughs> He's happy. He's away from the family and he can drink. But Yeah, and uh, all the old movies like Havana look like like a mini Vegas or a awesome and, and dude, like this even if even if the United States is not like constantly putting them under an embargo, they're constantly trying to kill them or do a regime change. And didn't and, we help them achieve Yeah, we helped Yeah, place? we helped Fidel. And then we're like, oh, once again, we made a mistake. But like, dude, as crappy as I even think the leader of, what is it, uh, is Venezuela the real socialist country in South America? Maduro? Money with his crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as bad as I think he is, dude, it's like once every two or three years I read about a coup that, tri- that almost happened and, oop, it just happens to be by a Marine who's a soldier of fortune from America who... Wasn't with the United States government, quote unquote, but uh, <laughs> acting on his own free will and just rounding up locals to lead a resistance fight. Uh, you know, like literally, I've read about that with that guy like four or five times. Like, don't is he rounding up his own people and throwing them in prison for CIA political is reasons? Like Hollywood, they're running out of original ideas. Dude, it's just like the same remake over and over again. It, it, it really, once you notice the pattern, you kind of see it. it like, in Maduro's defense, if I constantly had the world's largest military that's ever existed that kept trying to kill me, I might look at my friends a little funny and be like, which one of y'all are, who is really my friend and who's paid off by the CIA to try to kill me? We're, we're not going outside today. <laughs> and like, dude, and the thing with Russia, they have nukes. Like... It's the real game changer. And, I, and, and, you know, I heard a conservative friend earlier this week. And we have Joe Biden. Oh, my God, we have Joe Biden. Or whoever controls him. That's probably equally as stupid, just in a different way. Um, but, no, like, my conservative friend earlier this week, he was saying how crazy North Korea was and how stupid they are. And, you know, the old talking points like i actually think the north korean government is genius i think they're horrific like they're terrible but i mean they're efficient they're they're efficient and not only they they keep control that's what they want and um how many when was the last time the united states tried screwing with north korea like genuinely put military in and started shooting people it's been been, you know 50s yeah since they got a nuke, or at least might have a nuke, and they say we got one and we will launch it. America goes. I think they might have a nuke, but I feel like they'd have to shoot it with a slingshot. Well, yeah, my my thing's always been like, all right, they have, they can't shoot it far enough away to not hurt themselves at the moment. Well, here's the thing: they don't have enough nukes to like take out the entire U.S. They might have enough to devastate a city, but that is enough to keep the United States military off your back. And my proof of this is there was a leader of a country called Libya. And his name was, oh my God, do I have it right? Muammar Gaddafi? I think I said the whole thing right. Go Bandit. Uh, but, so like, dude, Libya, he, he was the leader of a Middle Eastern country called Libya. And they supposedly had nukes. And the United States and the United Nations and NATO begged him and begged him, get rid of your nuclear weapons, Gaddafi. You're too much of a threat to the international hegemony and community of international countries that all get along. You're creating a big ruckus. You you may be having these nukes. He said, all right, you know what? I'm going to get rid of all my nuclear programs, even the ones we were going to use for energy, and I'm going to invite the U.N. inspectors. Y'all can look wherever y'all want. Country's open place. Look, you know, have your run. I'm not even going to hide any secrets. Go through all my whatever. And uh, we did that. And then two years later, two or three years later, a rebel group that had a hell of a lot of funding from somewhere uh, overthrew him, drug his body alive out in the streets and sodomized him to death with, I believe, a golden AK-47 with a bayonet on the end of it. I didn't know all the full details, but I knew he died in the street. Horrifically. And it's like, oh, so if you give up your nukes, you're inviting that to your territory. 
That's why, like, with Iran, I know everyone's, all my right-wing friends have always been like, they got a nuke, and they're going to nuke us any day now. And they've been, I've been hearing conservatives say that since the early 90s. Iran hasn't. Because <laughs> that would be suicide. That would be, if you're, if, if you're government, you control a territory, your number one interest is keeping control of that territory. What a easy way to invite the world's largest military to come get rid of your government than by nuking somebody. Like in your own self-interest, you don't want to do it. But if you're Russia and you got NATO barking at you from all sides except from the direction of China, it starts looking like a more and more logical option. It's like, well, if I'm going to lose anyways, might as well make everybody else lose too. Yeah, we only dropped the bomb when nobody else had the bomb. Yeah. I still have very mixed feelings about that that we're going to get into. All right. So, like, here comes the really unpopular anti-establishment opinion. I don't think we should have nuked those cities. Maybe, maybe one of them. No. I don't know. I'll say it gave the coolest and probably biggest gender reveal. <laughs> Green little, for the Hulk? No, it was a little boy. Uh, I thought it was a fat man. <laughs> it's 2022. Don't, don't, don't be bending the gender like that, Merce. Keeping it very structural. No, so hang on. Let me first lay out in defense of the bombs. Like, let me, let me steel man against my opinion. Uh, Japanese were freaking brutal. The Japanese were, like, awful. The military was horrific. What they did in China, what, like, just the documentaries, documentaries I've seen on, like, uh, (laughs) when they were retreating in China, they would tell the Chinese that survived being ruled by the Japanese, like, hey, listen, we're retreating, but when the Americans come, they're cannibals and they eat children, so it's best if you just go ahead and take care of your kids yourself and then take care of yourself after that. Don't let the Americans get close to you. Uh, and like the <clears throat> like on Shane Gillis's podcast, he referenced it. Uh, the rape of Nanking, which Nanking was a I don't know if it still is, but definitely was a city in China. And it's historically referred to as the rape of Nanking when the Japanese came through. And, like, literally, it was full-scale war. Like, the soldiers were told, do whatever you want to the people and the kids. And the whatever. Yeah, I've seen stuff for that. It's, like, literally, like, catching babies on bayonets. Yeah, it's the most horrific stuff. And let me say this. If we dropped the bomb on just the human beings that participated in that kind of stuff. Two thumbs up from the bandit. Highly recommend. Five stars. Uh, Like, I I would want a front row seat with a lead shield to watch them bastards fry. Uh, Or the people that were in, what was it, Unit 931? Or what what was the Japanese medical experiments? Have you ever heard about those? Oh, yeah, but I don't know what the numbers it was unit something like and seven three one yeah whatever probably doesn't even translate weird honor ridden people stupid metric system yep but uh no like they would do horrific things like oh we're gonna try to inject dye in people and see or like frostbite their arms and see how long they can stand it worst things you can think of and if it was all those people that got nuked or whatever Like, I get it. And I think this is something that war really has always tricked humans with, or it makes us, at least makes us not pay attention to a certain aspect of it as much. Because whereas I think we'd all be for killing those people that that did that stuff, I think about the guy that's just a shoemaker in Nagasaki that's, that's putting together was was was, was a shoemaker <laughs> was stitching leather and who like i don't know probably had his family probably had to pay to probably i don't know because you're talking about it's world war two it's apparent everything, everything was the emperor and they did look at their emperor as a god but here's my other question and it, the japanese are a real special case but like most cultures i see not everybody thinks the same 
Like almost any culture you find, you can find someone complaining about the government. <laughs> yeah. Well, back I think then they made that person go away. That's kind of what I think too. So and like so, my brain is really playing it was, with it this. Was in like a weird way, I think I think in a way their government was also their religion. That's why exactly. I'm really like Japan's a special case because maybe they weeded out all the people that weren't super patriotic. That were and I remember di- re- listening to Dan Carlin's like fifteen hour long thing on Japan called Supernova in the East. That's all about from Europeans discovering Japan to World War II, what goes down, and uh, they might have weeded out all the non super patriotic people. So if you're left with only that kind of yeah, population, who did the movie on it? Last Samurai. Every event's totally true. <laughs> what, what was the joke from, uh, oh, God, it's not Steve Harvey. Who was the, who was a really famous black dude in the early 90s? Arsenio Hall? Okay. He, and he's on Dave Chappelle's show, and uh, he goes, what, Tom Cruise's Last Samurai? Uh, somebody else was, was something else. He goes, what's next? Tom Hanks's last N word on earth. I'm, I'm not going to say the N word. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bashful of that people. Uh, even though the last episode was I'm racist. Uh, that was about birds. It was about birds. Very racist against birds. Um, but no. So if you have this population of super patriotic, aggressive, religiously worshiping the state, does that make it more justifiable? I'd say yes. Does it still make it justifiable? Here's the thing. In the context of back then, I'm going to say I suppose. I still haven't heard of a war where they don't kill innocent people. Like, as shitty of a statement as that is. I mean, you look at just... We dropped one bomb um, and smoked an entire city in yeah. Japan, or well, two bombs, two it, cities. And then look at how many millions of bombs we dropped on all the Europeans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they still got reduced to the same amount of rubble. And just- it, even before the nukes, we committed war crimes. It's been labeled afterwards. I, I showed you the Jinx video. Well, fuck of around the- and find out. <laughs> Dude, it's of the firebombings of Tokyo where we dri- like it's before napalm. Did you see where we tried to do it with bats? Oh, dude, <laughs> mercy! Yeah, t- tell this, tell tell this great. It's not the CIA, but it's before the CIA. It's uh. So the whole premise was, most of Japan's cities are made of wood. Yeah, and like paper walls and, and so crap gonna, like that. And to make better firebombs, we're gonna take take bats and we're gonna strap little firebombs to them. And then we're going to release the bats. Out of a plane, right? Yeah, we're going to drop the bats out of a bomb, drops down, parachutes open. The bats will fly away and land, like, in the roofs and, the, like, the forest and anywhere hidden. And then later the bomb goes off with fire and it, you know, sets off fires in the attics wherever the, the bats yeah. are hidden. In theory, that's how it goes. <laughs> how it go? happens, the bats wake up too soon, the bombs go off too late, <laughs> then you've just got bats flying around with bombs, <laughs> like, before it. Dude, you imagine being some country bumpkin in Japan, and just like, look at the bats this evening. Boom, 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 what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> Dude, if they didn't, bu- alright, I know we all say the Japanese are like superstitious, superstitious, believing in like water spirits and shit. If you're seeing bats explode over Why here. Why hasn't Batman used that as a weapon yet in like the comics or the movies? Probably because PETA would have a real field day with DC. <laughs> Dude, I'm not part of PETA. I think that's kind of cruel to do to frickin' bats. Yeah. Drop regular bombs. And I never advocate that. <laughs> but, Just be normal. Yeah. <laughs> U.S. Department of Defense shrieks autistically. <laughs> Why are you like this? We're going to drop a bomb that rolls and bounces on the water that hits a dam. Did you ever see that one? Yeah, the the dam busters. The dam busters, I don't think they worked half of the time. No, that was actually a British thing, I think, more. Oh, that that makes me hate it more. Uh, But, no. We're going to drop a bomb on water. (laughs) (laughs) Disgusting people. Uh, But how did they conquer the world? Blows my mind. Uh, but no, like the Japanese, I don't know. I, I'm i going to say justified, but it doesn't make it any better. But I'm, but I'm also, again, good reason I'm not a general. I am like no quarter to the enemy, <laughs> like fists off, like 
All right, it's going to war. All bets off the table. I don't care about war crimes. Like, I believe absolute, like, to, to like, to you quit. So, does that make it good? No. But that's not, <laughs> that's why you should never have power. War is war. Like, I, <laughs> math I, is math. Yeah. Like, yes, I, it's okay. Like, okay, so I have, I have a weapon that can just wipe everybody? Yeah, of course, of course I'm going to use it. But then would you say, on that end, ooh, this would be juicy. From the other side's perspective, that make like stuff like nine eleven justifiable. I mean, on you don't think they're over there like, oh hell yeah, we just played our ace card. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's it's terrible. Yeah. But again, like depending on which ooh. side you're on, somebody's cheering. I think it's all equally horrible. But I will I will say this like <laughs> I don't know. I think in World War Two they weren't like oh I I just think tip the typical mindset people didn't really think about stuff like that except for ultra ultra religious people and when i say that i mean like like quakers and and amish because i actually read a thing the other day like it was in world war ii during the draft there's a headline like local amish man to be arrested for not go not going along with it and he's like yep my wife will run the farm i'll go sit in jail i'm not going to go be a part of this well, it's because he can't use the weapons anyways. He could throw scythes at him. <laughs> <laughs> he could, he could, he could shovel a mean hole for them to jump into. He's got a horse-drawn tank <laughs> because yes. they tread such a fine line between things. Now he's Polish. He just charges the tanks with horses, which isn't a true story. So I've heard recently, but I, I really want it to be true. It was actually German propaganda because they was were trying it? to make the people think the poles were that stupid. When in reality, they did use cavalry to try to, like, like they didn't charge them, but they used them to, like, circle yeah. them and stuff. It actually confused the Germans. That's what it helped, like, and it was actually, the Poles did well with it. Honestly, unless, like, they got a giant machine gun on it, it seems like a horse would be kind of an advantage against a and very slow that's what tank. they used it as, a, you know, the Poles ended up losing. But, yeah. But yeah, no, it wasn't, they didn't just blindly charge the tanks. Dude, I, I grew up, I don't know if I mentioned it before, I grew up hearing so much crap about Polish people, and I never even met Polish people growing up in Southwest Florida. Like, you know, Polish jokes are always about stupid people, and... When I like grew up and started actually reading their history, I'm like, oh, there's a reason everyone wants to call these people stupid because they're scared they'll rise up and kick their ass. Because man, they they don't. Yeah, I can remember like hearing like racist like Polish jokes. Yeah, and, like, and, and stuff. And I Polish I, helicopter has an ejection seat that goes straight up. Yeah, like, but I never got it. Like, yeah, that, that never. I mean, I guess I didn't really know anybody from Poland mm. really either. But I mean, at still the same time, I I still don't get how that's a. When I moved to Texas, one of the cool, I lived there for three or four years. And one of the cool things about Texas was like a lot of, you know, like Ellis Island's famous for immigrants up in New York. Well, like the kind of how a local Texan explained it to me, like those immigrants, like all of the Greeks that arrived together on this one boat would all go west and south, and a lot of them would, like, end up in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and start their own community. So if you go to, like, different small towns in Texas, like, it'll be nothing but Greek. They all have Greek names. It's Greek diners. It's The street's names are Greek. But everyone's there Texans as hell because they've been there for six generations or whatever. Welcome to Athens. Like, there's an Italy, Texas. There's a Palestine, Texas. There's a, a Paris, Texas. There's a, like, and it's all named... But one of the one of the towns, Rice, Texas, was nothing but frickin' Polish people. I thought you were gonna say Japanese. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think they're that bold. <laughs> I, I was just wondering if it was one of the internment camps the government sent them to. Te- Texas, very very dishonorable. <laughs> I, I had to try that accent. Uh, <laughs> no, no, ooh, I don't like that at all. Uh, but um. No, and like that was one of the crazy things was like you would pull in and it would be like to this to this restaurant and it'd be like Lustrani's kolaches for sale. And you go in there and the guy's wearing a cowboy hat and has a dip in it's like I make you a kolache. And I'm like, What what is what Twilight Zone is this? But um Yeah, uh, alright. So I'll say perhaps the first bomb was justifiable to end the war because then after that the united states was like we want you to unconditionally surrender and japan was like listen we will talk about this (laughs) they said like listen that was a pretty damn big bomb you just dropped 
uh, deal, except for one thing. Let's do one last thing. Our emperor being God is kind of important to us because of the whole God thing. If we could just take away all of his political power, but still just kind of leave him as God, that'd be really cool. No. <laughs> Dude, pretty much like, no, nuke again. <laughs> now, how about you get rid of your God? And Japan's like, God is out of the picture. Apparently there is none. <laughs> Two of our cities just got reduced to skeletons. Fine, deal, U.S. And U.S. military goes, eh, you know what? Keep him as God. We don't care. And We just wanted you to say uncle. And then, well, I, I really agree with Shane Gillis. That was much less about that surrender. And even, even that uh, radical left-wing hippie Dwight Eisenhower said, like, no, the second bomb wasn't about Japan. I really think it's, we made two bombs. Let's see what they can do. Well, it was about Russia. It was about, like, we're the two new empires on the planet. We're going to show you what we got. Well, that's how I still look at it. Even Patton, you know, the whole thing, like, Patton may have gotten assassinated or killed. Patton, like, was a very strong advocate. It's like, okay, once we defeat Germany, we need to go straight on to Russia and <clears throat> kick their ass, too, because it's... <laughs> now, here's my, like, really revisionist history, and take it with a grain of salt. But I haven't heard any real good comebacks to this. I really think we should have stayed the hell out of World War II. I don't think we should have messed with the Japanese like we did before Pearl Harbor that no one really talks about. I know we uh, did like some fuel and we did some embargo crap. We, they were pretty much how Dan Carlin explains it. When we had the League of Nations after World War One, the first attempt at the U.S. or at the U.N., they were like, hey, listen, if you're going to go around making colonies, there is a way to do it. And us, like the United States and Britain and France that already have colonies, we're going to write the rules on how you acquire these new colonies. And they kind of, like, according to Dan Carlin again, they kind of wrote them in a way of like, hey, there are colonies. No one else is getting this stuff unless you already have the kind of power that we do. And Japan, being Japanese read the rule book, and said, all right, we'll follow every single rule. And they started taking over shit left and right. Like, they were following, the, they were being horrific, but they were following the international rules. And so was, now Germany wasn't really expanding, but they were kind of doing it in a different way uh, within these, like, international confines. And eventually, like, our leaders started going like, well... We're now going to change the rules since y'all are so good at them. And that's when Japan, Italy, and Germany are like, screw this. We're out. Now, here's what I want the argument from, other, from our listeners. I've heard this laid out, and it is like fantasy history, but I want a good rebuke to it. Let's say hypothetically we never screw with Japan the way we did with embargoes and, and straining their copper resources and stuff. Say we let them do their empire thing, as long as they don't screw with our stuff specifically. Let's say we don't get involved in World War II. What does that leave? That leaves Germany fighting Britain and still dealing with France and fighting Russia. I still think before it's over with, Germany does something to us. Because we are already so, we would, the only way you are, that would work is you would also have to say we, we would have to be out of the Lend-Lease Act. And if that happens, oh agreed, and if that happens, I think France and Britain fall rapidly because we were a major supplier of weapons and aircraft and stuff for them to be able to even still be in the fight against Germany. And I'm flushing take us out of that, and then I think I think uh, Germany sweeps Europe, and if, then it's if they do stay there, and then they've only got a one front to fight against Russia. Okay, and how do you th now? Here's my question. And that, I, think that, and I think what you just said is likely to happen. They'd probably, I think they they take over France like they did, and then I think Russia I, falls. Well, all right. Now here's let's get because to that. They can completely uh, focus on hang on, Stalingrad. hang on, hang on. I bet you're you're skipping ahead. Now just hang on. I agree with you a hundred percent on the lend lease. For people that don't know, that's before we got involved in the war. We were lending a shitload of material and aids to Britain and France. I think mostly Britain, but France too to support them in World War Two. Uh, I think France falls, and I think Britain puts up a hell of a well, fight. France did fall. But, <laughs> yes, true. France fell. And I think Britain puts up a hell of a fight and eventually does fall. But I believe that would be such a strain on Germany, taking over Britain. And once they take over Britain, what do they get out of Britain? A 
bombed, war-torn country. I think they would have just continued uh, the blitz, like the aerial blitzkrieg that yeah. was going on. I think they would. I think you know Britain's stuck on their island. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep them there and just keep bombing them. Okay. Is, is, I don't. I think until they can get Russia, like Hitler, got ahead of himself and tried pushing too hard, too fast because he was right. worried about the United States. Yes. I really think, see that. Really think Hitler called Japan on the phone. Was like, really, yeah, R- R- dude? Why? <laughs> did you hear about what uh what oh god and i'm stealing this from shane gillis who stole it from dan carlin but it's such a damn good line did you hear about what uh who's leader of britain world war ii churchill churchill Ch- did you hear about what he said when he found out about uh pearl harbor he's probably hammered but he, he said it is decided the war has just been decided and britain has won yeah and he, knew it. he knew america was in the fight and he goes the war's over it's just a matter of yeah. time and, like I said, I think... But, I, now hang on, let's go with my alternate history for a second. I agree with everything you just said. It leads up to Stalingrad, right? Right. So you got a super-powered but war-torn Germany fighting a super-powered and war-torn Russia. Not even Russia. Let me back up. Soviet Union communism. What's the worst thing that could happen with those two countries fighting each other and leaving the rest of the world alone? Eventually one wins. Okay. The one that did win, that was our ally. What did they go on to do? Become our enemy. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And the, so the scenario I've heard played out is what would likely have happened if we just stayed the hell out of that and minded our business is that they would have burnt all their resources attacking each other. And by the end of that war, communism might have been a, and fascism might have been two things of the past that were like tried and then obviously like burnt out because they killed themselves. I can see that, or I see it going the opposite where one triumphs and then just is like. And then we're stuck with the same. It's like super Nazism or then super communism Communism. or like most of Europe's communism or most of Europe and Russia's Nazis. Yeah. I, that's why I see it eventually happening, one or the other. I don't see it. And ideally, yeah, it'd be great for them to just beat the crap out of each other and both take each other out. But I still see their their beliefs and ideologies are so strong. One has to take over the other. Maybe, possibly. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm biased. I like my explanation better. But you did a good rebuttal. I I want yours to be. <laughs> I want yours to be right. Yeah. But my mind's like I don't. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good rebuttal. That's what I wanted. And you, you did good fuel for the fire. Thank you. Here is like my one, and I can't, I can't stress enough, excellent rebuttal. But here is where I hear a lot of the rebuttals couched from, and maybe I'm making a straw man here. But I am very skeptical of the narrative that we have been taught of all the narratives we've been taught. And the one narrative that I seem to have always heard about World War II is, well, America had to get involved. America had to. Like, to think otherwise is like crazyville. And what Noam Chomsky said, what our schools and what our media love to do is keep a debate within two very small parameters. Like the classic example I've used is, whether the tax rate should go up 2.5% or down 1.4%. And it's like, oh, no one's arguing if it should be zero or 100. It's always kept right in that little tiny T belongs in the harbor. <laughs> yes. But, uh, like, you know, like another example is that if you're a Southerner, you, you hear that every Confederate was the bad guy and every Northerner was the good guy. Or, I will still say it in my mind. It didn't, like, it wasn't until, like, really high school that, like, it actually clicked in like because all you know is read your history books yeah. like that you're giving in school and I was like wait we were the we are the bad guy like <laughs> a lot of, there's and hey and there are absolute cases like I want to be straight up where Americans were the good guys and did do some great and heroic and noble things and those things should be cherished and remembered and honored and like passed down god when you read the bad shit though it's really bad you're like ooh yeah and like World War Two almost is almost held up to a religious standard in our country. Yeah. Well, like has a, all the greatest generation. Th- exactly. There's so much propaganda around it. Like it almost sets off too many red flags for me where I'm like, there's all this propaganda around it. 
why why do y'all need that? I still think right. the individual foot soldiers and stuff on the ground, yeah, greatest generation. Absolutely, the, down. the, the stuff they went through and did. The guys that stormed Normandy, absolutely. No, I'm the world's biggest pussy compared to them. Yeah, like absolutely. People at the top, though, I don't think they might have been any better than Joe Biden. Like, I I don't know, but I know when I was raised, it was to a religious degree to be like, they were all the best. Don't question their greatness. Don't, not a, you know. Um, so, I don't know. That That's where a lot of my logical conclusions lead me as against that narrative. And maybe that's cliche. But hell, it's the bandit's radio hour, and the bandit's going to tell you his perspective. But the bandit is tired as hell, and uh, there's more work to be done on hurricane cleanup. So, people, we're going to leave it with that tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. You can follow us. So, let's see if I can get all the plugs right. At the Bandit Radio Hour on Twitter, we now have a Bandit Radio Hour group on Facebook. Is it a group or a page? Page. It's a page. Um, Instagram, Bandit Radio Hour. You can Google us on Stitcher, on anywhere you get podcasts, iTunes. Uh, And hell, y'all keep tuning in. This is fun. We enjoy doing it. And uh, we will catch you next time. Merce, any last words? Firebats. The best last words. Have a good week.